Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Uh, my name is John. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm the outreach and sports pastor here, and it's a privilege to be sharing with you today. And to get started, I want to say thank you to piggyback off Pastor Dale's announcements to many of you who participated in our Arts in the Alley Parade uh, representation for our church, for our school, for our child care yesterday. What a great day being out there together passing out Gatorades, and and our friends at Jordan's Crossing partnered with us uh, to make that possible with those Gatorades. It was the first parade I'd ever been at where people were not waiting for you to throw them stuff. They literally were coming and grabbing Gatorades out of our wagons as we were walking down the road. And then it was the first time ever you throw something out, and let's be honest, nobody loves a Tootsie Roll thrown at them, but you take it, you put it in the bag, you hope for the best on the next round, right? We literally had requests of people saying, hey, I don't like this flavor. Can I get the other flavor? Like, that one's my favorite. It was crazy. Like, some of the stories that happened with this Gatorade, it may have become one of my favorite projects that we have been a part of, but it was a lot of fun. So thank you so much for those of you who are a part of that. Maybe you're joining us online. Uh, We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, Before I get started, I I won't hide it from you. Uh, We're in our series in the book of Genesis, and so we're going to be in chapter 6 to start, and it's a story many of you know with Noah's Ark. And uh, before I get into Noah's Ark, I want to share with you some real-life flooding that's happening. Uh, Some of our friends uh, and loved ones in uh, the island that we serve uh, regularly and have built relationships in Puerto Rico. You may not know, but for the last three weeks, every day, it has rained in Puerto Rico. And uh, not only that, this image is coming up. This week, I've been tracking with them uh, the tropical storm that is hitting the island right now. Over the last three weeks, they had 10 inches of rain combined, and the average amount of rainfall from just this storm is expected to be another 10 plus inches of rain. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Andreas, their district superintendent, who preached from our stage here a few weeks back, and he was telling me that a lot of the church services have canceled today. They're worried about their ability to have power and the effects of this. So uh, I know some of them may be joining us, watching online. I just want to let you know, friends, that we are praying for you, and I want to start in prayer together. Can we do that? Pray for our friends down there in Puerto Rico. Heavenly Father, God, we ask right now. As we get ready to dig into Genesis chapter 6, Lord, that we know the story of Noah's ark and the flood and what that looks like, God, but for our friends on the island right now are experiencing their own flooding and the concern of this storm. So God, I want to ask right now that you will protect them. Lord, that you will surround them and keep them safe. God, I want to pray for their safety in moving about, Lord. I want to pray for their safety within their own homes. Uh, Father, I'm reminded of how you showed up and provided roofs from damage from five years ago, Lord, and we've worked on so many different roofs along the way. God, I pray for protection over those roofs. God, I pray for the safekeeping of the people that are underneath it. 
I pray that they won't lose power. I pray that they will have all of their access to amenities, especially with some of those we love down there who are recovering and need power for their own personal health and recovery. Father, I pray, God, that you will go to them, Lord, that you will protect them. And we pray this storm away from their coast, away from their shores. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Well, uh, you know, as like I said, we're going to get into Noah's Ark. And to be honest with you, there's one question that I've always thought of when it comes to Noah's Ark. And maybe you're new to church, you don't know who Noah is or what an ark is. Uh, it's the invention of the cruise ship. And here for uh, our story today is this guy named Noah. And he builds this to save his family. And he was instructed in building this to take animals and put them on this large ark with him. And so the one question I've always had, it's going to be one of those first questions I ask God when we're face to face someday, is how did Noah get the animals in the ark? How did he do it? And there's a lot of questions that surround Noah's ark, but we can all agree this is the most important one to ask. And so sure enough... They found video footage, isn't that incredible? Take a look at the screen. right? I love that little video. I don't remember who said it to me, but thanks. I've watched it too many times. Man, I'm excited to share with you today a little bit. Maybe some of you uh, have made your Christian pilgrimage lately. Has anybody made their Christian pilgrimage to Kentucky where Noah built his American Ark? Anybody? Anybody make the trip down there? I see those hands. My wife and I made our trip down there. We took our boys and we went with some friends and we toured the ark. And after a few hours of going through that massive thing, uh, we recognized that uh, it was time to get some lunch because the only way to honor Noah is to eat some of the descendants of the animals he saved. And so <laughs> there was a buffet on the other side and I didn't want to pass that up. And so we were making our way out of the ark. They lead you through the gift shop, right? And as we go to leave to the other building where the cafe is, uh, it is pouring down rain. Like it is literally blowing sideways, freezing cold. And we walk to the front door and my wife says, come on, let's go. And I just stop. And it hits me in that moment. I've just spent three plus hours learning why you need to stay in the ark. And what I'm looking on the outside is exactly why this thing was built to protect me from that. And so I say to my wife, I say, listen, we should stay in here. Did we not just learn that this is the best place to be? 
And she said, no, grab the boys, let's go. So seeing a moment as she is outside holding the door and getting pelted with rain, I said, well, what do you want us to go, two by two? (laughs) My wife, soaking wet now at this point, freezing, says, the funny thing is, you think that you would be one of the two specimen God used to save this group. Let's go. (laughs) We hustled right across there. (laughs) Will you join me in looking at the real Noah today? Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 is where we're going to pick up. Let's learn about who this guy is. Verse 9, it says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in the close fellowship with God. Today I want to focus in on Noah. I want to focus in on his role and the attributes that he had. And what a great listing and characterization we get here in verse 9 of who Noah the person was. It says Noah was a righteous man, that he was blameless person, and even better, it says that he walked with God. Noah walked with God. That means that they were in unison together. They were on the same page. When you walk with God, there's a closeness with God. There's a reason that we invite people through the script on our walls that says helping people take their next step toward Jesus Christ together. There is an importance to walking with God. And God recognizes the closeness of people who prioritize their faith and to pursue a life that is in unison, in step with him. Noah wasn't perfect, and you can read about that further in Genesis. He had his own challenges, struggles, and shortcomings, but he prioritized his faith, and it was pleasing to God. And the first thing I want to share with you from this passage in our look at Noah is that nothing pleases God more than someone who is walking by faith. Nothing pleases God more than someone who is walking by faith that is pursuing God's will in their life, and God saw that in Noah. Noah was righteous in all that he did. He wanted to honor God with his life by living a life that was obedient to God's instruction. And what's impressive is not only was Noah pursuing this, But Noah wasn't just pursuing this while sitting in a church service surrounded by a bunch of other believers. Like it would be easier to pursue that when you have a faith-based community. And the chapter six here in Genesis starts to describe that Noah had the complete opposite of that. He did not have that type of community. Look at the context in which Noah lived. We're gonna jump back to verse one through three. It says this. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of the human were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Then verse 5, he continues, it says, The Lord saw great, how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of their thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. The Lord regretted 
that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Noah is walking with God. He's walking in relationship and closeness with God. While the rest of the world at this time, every other person, it says, is walking to the beat of their own drum. Every other person has evil thoughts, evil desires. And Noah is countercultural. He's countercultural to what the world was full of. It was full of immorality. It was full of blasphemy. It was full of corruption, demon possession. These were the things uh, every inclination was evil. And here we are, and this is something I've always thought of as you're making your way through Genesis. Here we are at the beginning of chapter 6, and we get a beautiful display in Genesis chapter 1 where God creates the earth. And then the fall of man in chapter 2, and you read more about creation after that. And as we get just Five chapters later, the start of chapter six, God is regretting that he had ever made man. And he looks down on the earth and the evil and the corruption, and he says, I want to wipe it all clean. Isn't that remarkable that just a few chapters in, what God had just said at the end of chapter one was good and pleasing. He now looks at it and says, I need to start over. This needs a new beginning. I've often thought what place God must have been at to say something like that. It says his heart was broken and how genuine a description that must have been for him to look down and say, I've got to shut all of this down. But there's one guy I want to preserve. There's one person I'm close to. God said, I value this relationship with this specific human man that I want to keep him safe. Let me tell you something. God values the relationship that he has with his followers. God values the relationships of a faithful man, of a faithful son or daughter. And while the rest of the world around you may not look like how you dream it to be. And oftentimes I've heard people describe the current world as the days of Noah. It's nowhere near the severity that Noah's world is described as right now. And maybe we're pushing closer to it and that should make us uncomfortable. But don't lose your faith and your calling to stay close to God. Because God doesn't want to lose those who are close to him. Noah would have been seen as weird, crazy, wild, awkward, socially awkward to the rest of the people around him. But what mattered to him was he was seen as righteous and blameless before his God. Noah understood Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. I want to ask you a question today. Do you know that having a close relationship with God may not be trendy? It may not make you famous. It may not make you someone's first selection. It may prevent you from getting a special invitation to things that you want to be a part of. But let me tell you something. 
It's worth it to be viewed as righteous and blameless before God. There was a guy I went to high school with, I played baseball with him, and he was uh, just a little older than me. And he was a pitcher and I was the catcher, and I always enjoyed him because he worked fast, he kept the game moving. But what happened was, he was not the most well-liked guy. Not honestly because of anything that he had done, but it just seemed to be the one guy that everyone on the team focused in on to make fun of, to pick on. He was a Christian, he was the leader of our Christian group in high school called Dogs for Christ, it still exists today. It was much smaller back then than it is now. He was the leader of that group, he held a Bible study, he served in our youth group, and this guy just seemed to be picked on time and time again. He didn't talk like the rest of the guys on the team. He didn't party like the rest of the guys on the team. And they made him aware of it constantly. And time and time again, I watched this guy and he easily could have folded. He easily could have started laughing at the, the jokes. He easily could have started attending the after game activities, the weekend festivities. He could have just jumped in with the rest of the world, but he was intentional to hold on to his faith and not associate. And there was one guy on the team, he was the biggest guy in the school. He played multiple sports with my friend and as we found, he was often the loudest, the biggest voice in the dugout. And he was so intentional at picking and making fun of and mocking my friend over and over and over. And finally, we made it through high school, and I'm sure my friend thought that his time of having to deal with that had passed. Just one year into his freshman year of college, he's back home on break, and he hears a doorbell ring at his front door. He goes to the front door, and there's that guy, the biggest guy from high school, right at his front door, and he's thinking, man, I thought this chapter of my life was over. He opens the door and he greets him, he says hello, and the guy just looks at him and immediately just starts crying. This big guy standing on your porch, you haven't seen him in a year, and answered a prayer and he is just crying. And the guy looks at him and he says, I gotta tell you something. I went to college and the guy I got paired up with as my roommate was a Christian. And I started to watch how he lived every single day his faith out and how he received me and accepted me. And I started being intrigued by the decisions he was making. He said, I started to go to church with him to try to understand how he could have so much happiness and joy. And as I started to go to church, I recognized that he is living the exact same way that you lived and you were the first ever representation of a Christian to me. He said, I came here to apologize for how I made your life so miserable during high school and made fun of you because now I recognize that's the exact thing that I needed and I've given my life to Christ and I wanted to tell you thank you for sticking to your faith. Yeah, praise the Lord, right? My friend said, I was just speechless. I didn't say a word. I'm just looking up at this guy like, do I get a tissue? Do I hug him? I don't know if I'm there yet, you know, like... How do I receive that kind of news? 
but he was committed to not conform to the world. And I think there's a message there for all of us. Many students going back to school, many of you changing work environments in the last few years. Do not sacrifice who you are or what you believe or who you stand for to fit in with a group that does not have your best interest in mind. Sacrifice the trendiness of today for the hope and promise of tomorrow. I just said that off the top of my head. I don't know where it came from. Thank you, Lord. Write that down. Write that down. Following God is not going to find you favor in this world. But faith in Jesus Christ will save you from this world. How's your faith? Noah is an example of faith. In fact, he's listed in what's called the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. It lists out all these great heroes of the faith and the choices they made to commit their lives to their belief in God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, Noah's entire life is summed up in one verse. It says this in verse seven. It says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that he had never happened before. Man, I want to focus in on the end of that verse right there that summarizes Noah's life. It says this, he was warned, or he, God warned him about things that had never happened before. God warned him about things. The only way Noah could be warned by God is if he was able to decipher God's voice. I already shared with you the closeness that he was walking with God. And so I imagine this conversation as being one that was almost like a gentle, soft whisper. They're looking out on the world, the destruction, the corruption, the evilness that's around them, and God's standing there beside him, and he says, hey, Noah, I got to tell you something. I'm about to do things that you've never seen before. And I want you to be safe and save your family. I value you, and I want you to build this ark. Can you imagine what Noah is doing in that moment, standing there next to God? That's what's probably around 480 years old. I'm sure Noah goes, hey, hold on here. Let me give you this good ear. It's this one right here. You want me to do what? You want me to do what? God said, you've never experienced this before, so I want you to build a boat. God says, you've never seen it rain before, so I want you to invent something called a roof. God says, you live 100 miles from the ocean. This is the perfect place for you to start. Stay close. Get your family rallied around. And I love Noah's response. It says that he obeyed completely to save his family. Are you willing to hold on to your faith to save your family? Man, that's deep right there. That's something you gotta think about. Are you willing to obey the Lord and do your part to save your family? I think a lot of us would say yes. Some of us may say, well, what's it gonna take? And this is why Noah's faith is so admirable. Because can you imagine at 480 years old going and telling his wife, Hey, honey, I know you wanted me to cut the grass today. I've got to go chop down some gopher wood. 
Excuse me? Can you imagine him getting his boys on board with this? 20, 30, 40 years in, fellas, we just got to keep building this. Not enough wood. It's like, God, this, hey, he's like, this is a raft. We've never even seen a pond or a puddle that we can't get across. This is going to be good enough. And, oh, we got to go bigger. We got to go bigger. Can you imagine what it would have been like to motivate them and say, listen, God told me we need to do this. Let me tell you, this is why Noah's faith is so admirable. Because faith is believing before what will only make sense after. Faith is believing before it starts to rain. What will only make sense after that you need an ark. Faith is believing before the hardship comes in your life. What will only make sense of why you have a relationship with Jesus afterwards. Faith is what you need before you get the diagnosis that you never expected to have to deal with. And holding on to Jesus Christ makes sense after you hear the news. You have to have faith. And it may not make sense to the world around you, but it'll make sense afterwards. And I think that's what happens here for Noah. Second Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher. He only would have had a three-word sermon. He was building this boat, and after God gave him this instructions for 120 years, Second Peter says he was a preacher. His sermon would have been, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. All I can tell you is it's going to rain. You've never seen it before. You've never experienced this before. But water is going to fall from the sky. It's going to rain. Noah was such a bad preacher. He preached the same thing for 120 years. Not one person believed him. They all died. He wasn't very good. He obviously wasn't convincing. But man, he was faithful. God asked Noah to build and believe. Noah didn't have all the resources. Noah didn't have the timeline in place. God said, build it. He said, I'll send you what you need to save, but you've got to build it. I'll send them to you two by two, but you've got to build it. Some of you here today, God is telling you, you need to build it. You need to prioritize your faith. You need to walk closely with God. You need to listen to his voice. And for some of you, the instruction that he's giving is build it. It may not add up. It may be uncomfortable. It may not fit your timeline. But if God has truly called you to do it, be obedient and build it. Amen. Because here's what God called Noah to do. He called Noah to build something incredibly big, incredibly massive. If that's one of the biggest takeaways from the trip to Kentucky is just the sheer scale and size of that thing. And if God calls you to build something big, it's because God is about to do something bigger than you've ever seen. He's about to do something more grandiose. He's about to pour out his spirit in larger ways. He has a plan bigger than your imagination and what you've ever experienced. Amen. 
Do you have the faith to let him move that way? To move that way in your life? If God is calling you to build it, believe it, and go forward. People around you won't understand. They may laugh at you. They may not trust you. They may make a mockery of you. They may come to you from afar and say, hey, this is ridiculous, heckle you. And, but in those moments, remember whose voice spoke to you first about the task that you were called to do. Whose voice you chose to listen to, and that's the Lord's. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have to continue year after year after year with the same ax that you had to resharpen over and over, chopping down over and over. Can you imagine how much he would have needed a chiropractor over and over? You think, I think the application for some of us here today is as fellow Christians and believers, you would look up and you say, Pastor John, I've tried to build my life on the Lord. I've tried to live my life honoring the Lord. I've tried to live my life so that my family had a foundation to build upon. I've swung the ax over and over for 120 years. Noah swung the ax, chopping the wood over and over, continuing to hold on to one little conversation God had with him. It was all he needed to motivate him for 120 years. And for some of you here today, I want to remind you of the little conversation that God had with you when he called you to do something bigger than yourself, when he called you to build something with your life, when he called you to lead your family in a way that you didn't grow up with the same faith upbringing, when he called you to build your life on the rock and foundation that is Jesus Christ. I want to remind you of that little conversation when you said, Lord, I'm all in. I'm willing to go through the ridicule. I'm willing to suffer, even if it takes me chopping wood for 120 years. I want to remind you today, keep chopping the wood. Keep building what God has called you to build. Keep pursuing what God has told you in just a faint little whisper, because he's faithful. He'll see you through it if he's called you to it. He's going to get you there. Keep working. God doesn't say, hey, this is going to be easy. You're going to go around this mountain, see this beautiful carnival cruise ship, hop on board. Take your pets with you too. God says, what I've got in store for you, I need you to work towards. I need you to grind a little bit. I need you to be faithful to what I'm calling you to. Will you stand with me this morning? Some of you today can only imagine what it would be like to hear God's voice, for God to actually speak to you and say, this is what I want to do in your life. You'd say, Pastor John, I've not experienced that before. Some of you say, I've experienced it before, but I just didn't have the motivation or desire to pursue God enough. I've let it go. Some of you say, Pastor John, I've built... I've invested, I've sacrificed, and I don't feel like what God promised has come to fruition. 
as I think of the story and how I wanted to wrap up today, I thought, man, what would it have been like for Noah in the 120th year? It says he was about 600 years old when God says, hey, I'm back. I'm gonna send the rain. How incredibly relieving that first raindrop must have been. That first raindrop that falls, followed by another. How refreshing that must have been on his skin. How terrifying it must have been for those who had never experienced rain. But for the first time in 120 years of chopping wood and building something greater than he could ever expect or imagine, for the first time, it starts to rain. The look he would have given his sons. The look of understanding that God's faithfulness had shown up just as he promised it would be. I think some of you in here today may be looking for God to show up. The life that you've committed to him hasn't given you the rewards or the fulfillment that you thought you were gonna get. I wanna tell you, keep serving the Lord. Keep pursuing a relationship. Keep walking close to him because he will not abandon you. He has not forgotten you. You're not alone, he is right there. Your toils are not in vain. God has a plan and a purpose and it may just be to save your family and save a lot of things around you. Are you willing to hold on to the point that it may cost you years on your life for one rainfall. Some of you today may say, Pastor John, I've never experienced God. I've not had that closeness. I've never talked to him before. Today's the day that he needs to have your attention because he's trying to speak to you. He desires to be close to you. He wants to save you from what the rest of the world has presented to you as the life you should live. If that's you, I want to invite all of you to bow your heads with me today. If you say, I need the Lord to save me, I need him to protect me from the corruption and the evil around me. I need to build my life and faith be placed in him. If that's you today, I want you to pray this with me. Will you bow your heads? Dear Jesus, thank you for your passionate love and care for me. Thank you for your faithfulness to save my life by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. God, I ask today that you will forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the times when I've chosen to live in the world. And may I pursue a relationship that is honoring to you. May I put my faith, hope, and trust in you. And may you protect me, guide and direct me from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
And now I want to pray for the people here in this room who've already given their life to Christ. I want to pray for the people who need to ask the Lord to give them a new boost of energy, motivation, that the Holy Spirit will show up and encourage you to continue to pursue God's best in your life. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Let's pray. God, I ask this morning for those that you've called to be builders, those that you have called to be obedient first to what you've asked, Lord, that they will be all in. There's no part-time obedience in this Christian faith, Father. You desire for us to be steadfast and committed God, I pray for the person who is trying to build something new in their life, the person who's trying to build a home that is honoring to you, that they didn't grow up with that experience. God, I pray that you will guide and direct them, that you'll send mentors their way to lead them, Father, with instructions just as clearly as you gave instructions to Noah how to build an ark, God, that you will give them instructions on how to build their home, how to build their family. Father, I pray that you will be with the people here who say they have been faithful to God for years and their toils year after year don't see to see the fulfillment, the fullness of your work in their life. God, for those people, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come along and encourage them. Father, that you will come send people beside them to speak truth to them and say, God sees you where you're at. Don't give up on your faith. Don't quit now. You've given too much and he's brought you too far. His promises for your life are too great. Don't quit building what God has called you to do. Hold on to the instructions of Jesus Christ, that they will be the example to to their friends and to their family. Father, I pray this morning, God, that your Holy Spirit will be so real and prevalent that regardless of the, what the world says, regardless of how untrendy or unpopular their decisions to follow you may be, God, that they will hold fast and firm and say, it's only because of Jesus that I have hope for tomorrow. I am committed to my relationship with him. God, may you bless them for that, Father. Give them a glimpse of what the final ark will look Look like. Lord, give them a refreshing rain, a symbol of your faithfulness falling from the sky, God. I pray this morning in Jesus' name that the people who have been faithful followers for years, days in and days out, in this room, watching online, God, that they will be motivated for the next big work of Christ that is happening in their life and in our community. In Jesus' name, we pray this morning. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Church, it's been a blessing to be up here today and look at Noah with you. Maybe for some of you today, you prayed that first prayer and you gave your life to Christ and we want to give you a little glimpse of what heaven is like celebrating. Can we celebrate with those who gave their life to Christ? Come on. He has saved you. He has been faithful to protect you. If you said yes online, you can click the button that said, I said yes. We've got people right there. They'll comment. They'll send you a gift because before you go today, we've got a package for you. I'll tell you what's inside the box. It's a Bible. But there's more. There's more to help guide you and direct you in your readings because we believe you can't do life alone. You don't have to take this step of faith alone. We want to encourage you along the way. That's what we're here for, isn't it, church? And so we want to meet you today. We want to give you this gift. Pastor Dale showed you the t-shirt. If you're new here today, we want to meet you at the new here stations on your way out as you go today. We would love to greet you in person and share your name and hear your story and say thank you for being a part of our experience today. Can I bless you on your way out here today? 
So you put your hands out and let's go big like an ark, man. Like you're holding it. You're carrying that wild animal into the ark. What a moment that must have been. Let me bless you today. May the God who loves you, who sent his son for you, may he give you the instructions for your day and for your week as you walk in close relationship with him, just as clearly as he gave it to Noah. And may you hold on to him just as firmly as he promises to hold on to you. May he show his faithfulness and favor upon you. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. We love you, church family. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.